Welcome everyone to another thrilling edition of Andy Here's the 80s. I am your host, Andy. Along with me for this ride is my co-host, Aaron Keck. Thank you. How's it going? Good. And this is the show where I take a look at the music of the 1980s and figure out what exactly is worth adding to my CD collection. Uh, This week, we will be taking a look at new wave music, uh, which is a fairly ambiguous term. Yes. Uh, A lot of stuff, you know, a lot of music genres, people will kind of make up a term and then just kind of fit stuff into it uh, all over and which is obvious especially with these five albums that we're going to listen to yeah because they're and all very case, different in this case new wave gets invented as a term in the 1970s very much like i think alternative in the 90s mm-hmm. where there was a good what five years in the middle of the 90s where literally everything yeah. that came out like garth brooks would come out <laughs> with an album and it would be dumped into the alternative category kind of the same thing with new wave in the what early to mid 80s where just mm-hmm everything gets associated with new wave and it's a marketing tool like the it initially starts or it, it gets popularized as a way to market albums and mm-hmm. market bands very much like alternative in the 90s but then it just becomes this catch-all so. yeah this and the next few episodes are going to kind of be uh where where punk went after the that first what i guess would yeah. be the first wave a lot of people call it so this would be the new wave, the new of, wave punk, of punk yeah. uh, which is uh you know goes in a bunch of different directions some of which the catch-all would be new wave then we've got post-punk there's hardcore those yeah. are a couple of genres we're going to get into over the next few weeks uh, but these ones new wave kind of started like we said in the 70s after the clash and the damned and all those uh, kind of established a punk sound yep. the ramones um and then the bands you know kind of like uh in the 70s you've got blondie is a right. good example of this uh the cars kind of taking um synth elements and in- in- incur- uh, incorporating that in their music uh, yeah more jangly chorusy guitars more polished i think more, yeah more yeah. polished less uh rough around the edges yeah uh, but uh, kind a of a, artsier which then yeah. they get criticized mm-hmm. more by the by the uh by the punk movement so the really interesting thing about uh about the new wave and i was excited about this just sort of learning about the way that this developed because mm-hmm. i did not know until i recently watched the movie 20th century women with Annette Benning, uh-huh. uh, that punk and new wave originally started as two sides of the same coin. And then there was this acrimonious split within the, the, uh, within the culture mm-hmm. where people were taking sides between punk and new wave. And I was watching this movie going, what on earth was this even about? Because right. it's like me looking at this from, uh, 30 years later or 40 years later, like these two genres are so completely different from each other that I wouldn't even think to compare them, but they start from very much the same place. And you mentioned Blondie, uh, which I've always kind of associated with the new wave, but Mm -hmm. Blondie was very much a part of the punk scene. Like Debbie Harry hung out with the Sex Pistols. Uh, and I've always thought that was a little bit strange too. Like I always had a, a little bit of trouble sort of wrapping my head around where to classify Blondie because it was kind of that, the, the intersection between the two things that I, two genres that I wouldn't think of as having an intersection mm-hmm. at all, but there's Blondie right in the middle of it. And now I understand, uh, both Blondie and music history, as well as the movie 20th century <laughs> woman with Annette Benning. So I'm good now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well this is great. 
the first band, in fact, all the first three of these ones we're going to listen to all came out in 1980. Yeah. Uh, some of these are not their first album, but since this is the 80s, I'm going just with what came out in the right. 80s. Uh, the first one is a debut. This is The Pretender's first album. Uh, came out in January of 1980. Uh, the singer, Chrissy Hine, of course, is an American, but then moved to England in the 70s. Uh, she began working uh, a couple cool jobs, worked for New Musical Express magazine, and worked at the uh, the Sex Boutique that, uh, of course, birthed to the Sex Pistols. As did we all. But, yeah. <laughs> So it's fun. It's kind of funny to see an American go to England and join up with. When you look at the cover, three clearly English men. Oh yeah. Uh, these. <laughs> it's, uh, you, uh, before I even like lurked up the history, I'm like, wait, I knew Chrissy Hyman is American, but I'm like, these guys do not. These guys have said footy, like when yes. talking about soccer. Oh yeah, 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 big time. Uh, but then, uh, so they get together. As has Chrissy Hyman, I'm sure, <laughs> but only to fit in. Yeah, like like, like Madonna. Oh but, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really associate when I think about new wave, I think about early eighties, I think mm-hmm. about synthesizers, and I think about either British vocalists or more accurately American vocalists trying to sound British. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's fair. Yeah. Because I mean that kind of first punk wave, right, was a fairly oh, British yeah, movement. Like very, you know? And and a lot of Americans trying to sound British. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, so they got together in the late seventies, uh, put out this first album in January nineteen eighty. Uh, let's take a listen to uh, what was the second single released from this. Uh, this is Kid yeah. from Pretenders. Chrissy Hind is a rock goddess. <laughs> she really, I ju- literally just, not literally, figuratively, mm-hmm. just saw her in concert. It was a couple months ago. She's on. She was on tour with Stevie Nicks. Oh, okay. And my one of my best friends got me uh, tickets to see Stevie Nicks in concert because I'm a huge Fleetwood Mac fan. Mm-hmm. I've seen Fleetwood Mac a couple of times. This was a solo tour uh, for for Stevie Nicks, and I looked at the tickets. And it was Stevie Nicks with the Pretenders, who I'd never seen. And I looked at my friend and I said, you didn't give me Stevie Nicks tickets. You got me Pretenders tickets and you didn't even realize it. And they rocked. Like, they're still rocking today. Yeah, they have a good sound here. And I especially wanted to play that one because I really like that guitar solo. Yeah. I think they get a a really good sound. Uh, I think the, uh, you know, it's not quite as experimental, let's say, as maybe some of the other stuff. Right. 
but I think it, you know, it's a good solid rock and roll album. Yeah, I don't think of this as as new. When I think about new wave, I think mm-hmm. about the Talking Heads first, and we'll get to them. And, they were, and they're much more experimental mm-hmm. and willing to uh, willing to innovate and just sort of uh, improvise and jam. The Pretenders. I think of as much more in the pop rock genre, but definitely they they fit in. And the really interesting thing about this album, you played Kid, which is a great song. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the big hit off of this is Brass and Pocket, right. which of the Pretender's biggest hits is actually like my easily my least favorite <laughs> really? of all of them. But it's it's the biggest one that they ever put out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I like the, this one. Uh, was there, like I said, their second signal, uh, Brass and Pocket was their third, and they led uh, with. The Stop Your Sobbing, a cover of the Kinks song. Which is another good one. Yeah. Uh, and all those came out the year before the record did. So, and it gen- uh, generated a lot of uh, good buzz because the, the album ended up going gold the year it came out and platinum by 1982. So yeah. it sold uh, really well. Very cool. Before going into this, I had heard Brass and Pocket and Tattooed Love Boys yeah. uh, was in, I want to say, one of the Guitar Hero games. So I had yes. heard that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I really only knew Brass and Pocket. Like, I like the Pretenders, mm-hmm. but my knowledge of them is limited to, like, the big five songs. I got Brass and Pocket. I'm not going to remember them all. Don't get me wrong. Um, mm. The others, which I'm now blanking on because it's been that kind of week. <laughs> uh, and and my, my art teacher, getting back to New mm-hmm. Wave is the artsy movement, right? My art teacher in middle school had this one Pretenders album that she would stick on and play pretty much daily as we were, like, we had this whole month-long uh, clay sculpture section mm-hmm. of art class in eighth grade where she would, we would just be, like crafting our sculptures and she would stick on the same pretenders album every single day and we would listen to it over and over again and i was in eighth grade i had no idea so i thought this was a band called the pretenders because they did covers of other people's songs (laughs) and they did have a cover of i got you babe which was the only one that i knew so it's like oh okay this is a cover band (laughs) no it's not a cover band at all yeah that would make sense with the name it does right (laughs) yeah uh, unfortunately, they would only get to release one more album with this lineup. Yeah. Uh, Pretenders 2 would come out and uh, in 1982 and 83, respectively, uh, guitarist uh, James Honeyman Smith and their bassist Pete Farndon would both die of drug-related incidents, mm-hmm. uh, which is a bummer. Cause yeah. the, you know, and probably those two f- albums, right? That was their sound. Oh, yeah. They, they would... Yeah. Probably most people would argue that's the, their strongest catalog. Yeah, right. Easily. But obviously, the people they've got now are still good they're live. Good. Yeah. If you saw them this year, great to see in concert. Uh, the next one in May of 1980, uh, Devo released "Freedom of Choice." Yes. This is their third album, I believe, and this one has their biggest hit, right? Of of any Devo oh, song, yeah, with yeah. it. To the point where you still see Devo described as a one-hit wonder uh-huh. by some people. Like, oh yeah, they did Whip It, and they're a novelty act. I think they did some other stuff, but God, they're a great, great band. Yeah. Yeah. And a little more, you know, we talk about experimental. This one's, the Devo has their Devo sound, mm-hmm. right? But nobody else sounds like Devo either. Yeah. Which I think is most obvious when you think of uh, Weird Al didn't parody a single Devo song. He just 
made a Devo parody. parody. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about uh, New Wave and sort of reading up about it mm-hmm. uh, in anticipation of this conversation. And someone referred to it. I mean, it's very early 1980s is when the genre mm-hmm. peaks. It's when everything kind of gets lumped in. And you get that kind of early 80s sound that then gets played in every single John Hughes movie ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone described it as the uh, nervous, nerdy persona, right. where you see with Devo, obviously, but also Elvis Costello. Mm-hmm. And again, we'll get to Talking Heads with David Byrne. And just sort of thinking about that and like the, the emphasis on the synthesizer and the keyboard in particular, uh, Weird Al might be the most successful new wave <laughs> artist of all of them, yeah. right? Because it's the it's that period. It's the emphasis on the keyboards. In this case, with the accordion, uh, it's that same nerdy persona that Devo perfects and Elvis Costello perfects. And I mean, who is the nerdiest rock star of all time? Probably Weird Al yeah. Yankovic, right? Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. And he probably had some of his most successful stuff in that era, too. In the early 80s, yeah, yeah is when it comes out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, how brilliant is it to take pop songs or rock songs and redo them in a style that's innovative and kind of twisty on the genre, very subversive in the mm-hmm. same way that punk was? Uh, and turn like Michael Jackson's biggest hits into what essentially is a new wave song. Yeah. Do it by accordion and be subversive with it. Like that's great. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Devo. <laughs> <laughs> so these guys uh, get together. Uh, they're all mostly all students at Kent State. Uh, they get together in the seventies like in Ohio, and uh, they kind of formed their style after the Kent State massacre. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of theirs was one of the victims there. And so that's when they begin thinking about the concept of devolution. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, wearing away of human culture. And, yeah. We're regressing as, yeah. as, a, as a people. Uh, and this, so this is timely today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. I know it kind of all comes yeah. full circle. Uh, the eighties are so hot right now. Yeah. But right. This is also the first one uh, right on the cover there. You see, they've got their, uh, what are they Lower called? Potheads. The Energy Dome uh, yeah. hats. Uh, yeah, Energy Domes. Yeah, this is the first appearance of those, too, which is kind of another Devo mm-hmm. icon. Uh, let's go ahead and play. Uh, I'm going to play the title track, Freedom of Choice. Freedom of Choice.
We should talk about how important MTV is to this yeah. to this genre as well. Because obviously that's how mm-hmm. part of the reason Whip It becomes such a big song. But you listen to just like the opening riff of Freedom of Choice without ever seeing the video mm-hmm. and i don't think the actual video for this song is like this but you can just close your eyes and picture like those early 80s low budget mtv videos where it's the band sitting there in like a room that's entirely gray with uh-huh. no discerning features and the camera just sort of zooms in on everyone individually at a 45 degree angle. And there's like three dancers over uh-huh. here for no particular reason. Yeah. The, and the video for Whippet you mentioned uh, was inspired by uh, an article they read in like a 60s men's magazine mm-hmm. about a guy uh, opening up a dude ranch where every day at noon he would whip his wife's clothes off. And she made she made like this special Velcro outfit that would fly off when he whipped it, uh, which they thought was ridiculous and had to, of course, be the music video yes. for for their song. I mean, more power to them. I guess <laughs> it's a it's a bizarre video. I watched it after listening or yeah. after reading that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a fun video though too. Oh yeah, and yeah. definitely one that got a lot of uh, airplay and. This is that era where music is starting to, where video is beginning to kill the radio star, you might yeah. say, right? Yeah. I thought uh, one of the, uh, what was the, the actual story that I read? Um, Devo was supposed to appear on... Uh, oh, Lily Tomlin's Lily Tomlin, show, right? Yeah. And she canceled them after, what was it, seeing the video mm-hmm. or hearing the song? It was seeing the video, right? And she objected to the yeah. content, like... How subversive was Devo in 1980 that someone like Lily Tomlin (laughs) is going to ban someone from appearing on their show because she has a moral objection to the content? Like, that's a certain level that I would not have expected anyone to reach. Yeah, certainly. Hey, Devo. (laughs) They did it. Yeah. Uh, You expect this with Ed Sullivan, right? Right. He has standards. He did did it every week and twice (laughs) on Sundays. But Yeah. yeah. What else we got on Devo? That's kind of it for Devo, yeah, right? Yeah, they're just a bunch of nerdy Ohioans who made uh, some pretty good rock music. Yeah. Just like Weird Al yet. <laughs> Although he was from California, right? I think so. He just felt like he was from Ohio. Yeah. Devo actually lived the dream. <laughs> yeah, <he did. laughs> I do Actually, like. Actually, no. Ohio is the is the uniting factor here because Chrissy Hind reps Cleveland. That's true. Right? Yeah. 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 So there you go. New Wave, Ohio. I do like uh, the CD that you can get now for Freedom of Choice has uh, six live tracks at the end of it, too, mm-hmm. uh, which sound pretty good. Oh, they, yeah. They do these pretty well, too. And the, the first live song is just an instrumental of Freedom of Choice, mm-hmm. which is really cool. It goes right into Whip It. Yeah. I was the, not aware that the New Wave washed in off of Lake Erie. Though, <laughs> yeah, so, I know. Yeah. Go figure. Well, now... Speaking of people who've spent a lot of time in Ohio, yeah, David uh, Byrne. The Talking Heads Remain in Light comes out in October of 1980. Uh, This is their fourth album, uh, their third with Brian Eno as a producer. And this one is probably my favorite of the batch. Yeah. Well, I will say, I think rightly or wrongly, when I close my eyes and try to imagine what I think of New Wave as Mm -hmm. being... I define everyone as new wave to the extent that they sound like this, like this particular Talking Heads album. 
Yeah, and this one, uh, they had gone into recording this one kind of with the mindset of let's let's experiment, let's play around, and then let's just kind of see as a band what we can make with this. Yeah, and it was a really conscious effort to be collaborative because right? mm-hmm. David Byrne had done a lot of the songwriting right. before, and some of the band members were starting to chafe at that. So mm-hmm. they come back and sit down and say, "Okay, let's let's just jam and see what we come up with." Yeah. So they get together as a band uh, in a recording studio in the Bahamas. And just basically jam out on all these songs, record all the instrumentals and stuff, and then worry about the lyrics and vocals after the yeah. fact. I think it was Brian Eno who said that uh, worry about the lyrics later because mm-hmm. what's really important is the music, not yep. the lyrics. Yeah. Which, I mean, and then so you, this album kind of adopts that kind of stream of consciousness mm-hmm. uh, lyrical style uh, of kind of making it up as you go and just seeing what flows out. Stop making sense. Exactly, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Just go. Uh and so this, the, especially the first side of this, uh, which is the first three tracks on the CD, just don't stop. I mean, this. Yeah. if I had this on vinyl at the time it came out, I would have had to get a second copy because I think the needle would have just worn straight through the other side. Yep, yep. So let's go ahead and play. Uh, I'll play uh, number two, Cross-Eyed and Painless. I'm not going to play weird guitar rip song. And that's, isn't that all of them? Yeah, uh, that's true, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a music expert, so I would mm-hmm. never have picked up on this if I hadn't read someone pointing it out. But mm-hmm. the chord never changes. Yeah, I know. It's, I read that too. And every every song apparently is like mm-hmm. like it's one chord and you just go. With yeah, it. I know. And, and you don't think about that until yeah. after the fact. Yeah, and but, it's very I mean, it's very complex. Right. So I mean, you think about 
the the criticism of like early 60s rock and roll mm-hmm. is oh it's so simplistic with just three chords right. one after the other after the other and switching back and forth here's complicated music with one chord that doesn't yeah. even bother switching and they do you know they layer so many elements on top of it mm-hmm. that you don't notice and i mean that's just just a different way to build the song right yeah. you know you don't have to change chords you can change elements you yeah. can add and subtract and but yeah the i think uh, and the second half is a little slower, you might yeah. say, but still, still all really great. Was the one with "Once in a Lifetime" on it? And the the second. The, the second that's the first track on yeah. side two, which is the one that was originally called "Weird Guitar Riff Song" until yeah, they yeah. just decided to come up with a name for it. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's probably still one of their best known songs. Oh yeah, I would think. In probably fact, their best known yeah. song. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the one that Weird Al did, so it's yeah. gotta be. <laughs> it's right. right. It is now, mm-hmm. <laughs> if it wasn't before. And I did, uh, since we've spoken about live performances for all of these so far, I did go watch Stop Making Sense yeah. after listening to this. How was that? Because I haven't, I still have not seen that movie. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. 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 And it shows just what great performers they all are, too. Yeah. And during, uh, after this one, they had made four albums in four years. Their first one was in 77, 78, 79, this in 80. And then they took a little break uh, where they kind of all worked on different projects. Right. Um, well, there was a little bit of acrimony, right, between the band after this yeah. came out. Because they sit down to try to do this collaborative effort because David Byrne has mm-hmm. been responsible for so much of the songwriting. And then the album comes out and they look at the cover and it's like, all songs written by David Byrne, David Byrne, David uh-huh. Byrne. And half the band is like, no. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I... doing my own thing now. <laughs> so, yeah, it was beneficial to them, obviously. I think that they took a break and... They would work, uh, let's see, David Byrne and Brian Eno would collaborate during that time some more. And uh, Tina Weymouth and Chris France uh, would go uh, create the Tom Tom Club, mm-hmm. which was inspired in part by the rise of hip hop that mm-hmm. we uh, talked about before. And they would make the song Genius of Love, which would be a common sample for years to come. Yep, yep. And the Tom Tom Club would perform that song in stop making sense yeah uh build as the tom tom even though david byrne walks off stage and that's all the changes (laughs) but nice he had to get time to put on the the big suit of course so yeah and the energy dome yeah yeah that's deep all three of those albums come out in 1980 yeah isn't that crazy fascinating yeah it yeah, that's what I love about having this my CDs organized by year because you can be like, look at all this that came out right, at the same right. time. Can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's actually pause for a second because mm-hmm. we got a couple more. But how are you doing with this collection? Like we've you've got now an additional thirty CDs. What are your favorites? So far, there's probably like one from each that are still the standout. Like really right? stand out. Uh, yeah. Talking Heads from this week. Mm-hmm. Um, from the new, the new school hip hop, I think Eric B and Rakim, yeah. my favorite old school. I really like that Curtis Blow album. Yeah. The way it has that right, kind of live right. sound. And then, uh, I mean, Thriller. Thriller. Yeah. I, I'm still listening every so often yeah. to Thriller. Well, I mean, still like tracks four through seven from Thriller, right? Mm-hmm. Like just take those four and put out even, an EP and it's the yeah. greatest thing ever produced oh, yeah. by anyone. I mean, know? even the, as we called them, the lesser tracks from right. Thriller, those are still, still really like, yeah. Yeah. get out of here. 
but as you can see, or as yeah, Aaron can like... see, I'm going to need to get another uh, like little shelf pretty soon. Do they still sell those? I, you know, because it's me, I <laughs> looked at Best Buy specifically uh, to make sure I could get the same kind. Just so in I, case, yeah. Just in case, and they still have it, yeah. so I should probably get it sooner than later. Yeah. Because their CD section in general is shrinking. Oh, yeah. It's sure. hardly there Or just all. wait until another 15 years go by and, like, CD nostalgia comes back. And yeah, exactly. And whole store is devoted to CDs mm-hmm. again. Well, but then it'll be three times as expensive. Oh, yeah. Big time. So I should yeah. get it now while yeah, it's 20 right? bucks. Like, the whole vinyl revolution would be great if all of those records weren't, like, $50 yeah. each, right? Yeah. I mean, so many bands, like, that we'll get into in the next few mm-hmm. weeks could only make vinyl... I mean, A, that's what people mostly had at that time, but that's what was affordable to create at the time, right? Yeah. And now... And it really limits the... what you can do with an album, right? Like, all of these albums come out on vinyl exclusively, Mm -hmm. and that means that every side can only be, what, 22 minutes long or something like that. Yeah, Yeah. So, Talking Heads, first first side is three tracks, and you're done. Yeah. Yeah, because they're all five to six minutes long. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, something like, you know, it would be a double album. There's double albums now you buy on CD that on fit CD. on one. Yeah, that fit on one, which have two bonus tracks at the end. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so next up, we jump to May of 1982. This is when uh, Duran Duran's Rio comes out. Yeah. With one of the creepier covers I've seen in a while. It is kind of a, right? the, the little painted face on the front. She has a... She's got a Joker grin. Yeah. is what she's got. It's very like Joker. A, yeah, it's a smile that's a little bit bigger than it should right. be. It's just a little unnatural. Yeah, I got the the uncanny valley in mm-hmm. Rio here. Yeah, Duran Duran is uh, is a band that I do not think of as being new wave. Mm-hmm. I think of them as being exclusively pop because they've got that they've got that boy band reputation, yeah. right? They've got the the, the reputation for being pretty boys mm-hmm. but honestly this is a really good band yeah and, and, and they're all shake the reputation i don't think entirely yeah but... i mean yeah because they were uh you know they they played their own songs they wrote their own music right, right. but uh but yeah they're all pretty good looking guys who yeah. would do interviews with teen magazines and yeah. stuff like that it's because... very hard to once you get that persona of mm-hmm. the the pretty boy band i mean obviously the beatles shook it right is that it? Who else did? That might be it. Yeah, yeah. I can't think. No. I mean, the monkeys kind of now, right. 30, 40 years later, have gotten a reputation for, oh, they were actually good artists. I, but... gu- I guess you could say somebody like Michael Jackson. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. but I, that was kind of proto-boy band, right? I mean, right. the Jackson's five the Jackson were... Five. Uh, yeah. I and I was, I was listening to Duran Duran, and then I was thinking about, oh, boy bands that had that mm-hmm. pretty boy rap and then continued making music after you know hansen's really doing some good stuff these days are they really very quietly like <laughs> they developed into this legitimately solid blues rock band but that's not what people think of when they think <laughs> no. of hansen it's mbop and uh, the the video that came out when they were all 16 and yeah. Duran kind of has that that like stone of boy band that they're mm-hmm. dragging around behind them but this is a really good album yeah, they, they uh, you know, I'd heard the title track. I'd heard uh, Hungry Like, Hungry the, Wolf. like the Wolf, which is one of my favorite yeah. songs. And uh, so that's where I was like, okay. I mean, it still sounds very 80s. I think yes. this is 
of all the ones we've gotten so far, this is kind of the most like, yeah, that's kind of yeah. what you think of when you think of the 80s. Maybe not, like you said, maybe not what you think of when you think New Wave. Right. But I think, you know, it has that chorusy guitar, that synth-driven sound. There's, It's very polished. This is probably the most kind of uh, produced album. Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, yeah, I think of Duran Duran. I don't think of New Wave. I think of being three years old and my parents going out for the night and uh, my cousin Sherry coming over to babysit me. And she was a teenager who loved her some Duran Duran. So like, that's what I think of when I think of this band. And this is another one too, where that benefited from the music video scene. Yes. Right? Oh yeah. A, uh, because you could see all these pretty because boys on, yeah. on TV and, uh, they capitalized with it. They also did a lot of, um, their videos. They had high production values. I mean, yeah. they, like these were expensive yeah. videos. Yeah. So they, uh, they took advantage of the time. Uh, let's play the the one song I I kind of want to play, which threw me for a loop, is the last song on here, the chauffeur, mm-hmm. which kind of sounds like almost like a weird carnival uh, at the end of this strange, you know, yeah. but seemingly straight run of the mill pop album. Uh, it even has an ocarina solo in it, if you can believe it. waiting for that ocarina i was waiting for the ocarina (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i mean that was kind of like uh listening to this you know i kind of knew what to expect right with rio and hungry like Mm -hmm. the wolf uh that song i was listening to it i'm like is this a bonus track like should i should was this on and but no there's no bonus tracks on the cd this was actually what they closed it with and that kind of almost made it better for me i'm like yeah this band of like all these pretty boys uh-huh. who ma- made this these very popular songs and videos were like you know what, let's make this let's that this song experimental <laughs> thing yeah and it's a very it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting perspective too because mm-hmm. i mean it's the chauffeur right? right so like it's a it's not what you would expect it's not the perspective you would expect a pop song to come from either. yeah 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 so uh, they uh, you know i like so far you know all these have been very different albums i like mm-hmm. that uh they're all good for different reasons, yeah. right? And uh, so that was, this uh, ended up turning out better than I expected it to be. I was kind of yeah. like, well, you know, I'll like the singles as usual, and that's right, it. Right, right. Andy hears new wave and likes it. <laughs> yeah. 
But you know, I do want. I listen to, to some of these. God, the CD is even creepier than the album cover. Just a cover, bigger version. It's like of a the bigger face. version with a like zoomed in on that <laughs> grinning Joker smile. Yeah, very creepy. You know, I I want to make sure that I still like the CDs I'm putting on the shelf uh -huh. at the end of the day, which uh, I will say. Have you gotten rid of any, or are you planning to? That we've listened to? Yeah. No. None. Okay. Not even the Pink Floyd one that I've held on oh, to wow. for all these well, years. Well, I mean, but... that's that's a nostalgia one <laughs> yeah. at this point. Yeah. No, there hasn't been. I have uh, in making you know the list of stuff I'm going to listen to. I've added and subtracted things. I didn't know exactly where uh, one band that I was going to add in somewhere was Depeche Mode. Yeah. Which I wasn't sure where to put them, whether it's new wave or post punk yeah, just or throw them in new wave. anything. That's where everyone else gets thrown. But there's there's so there's two reasons why you're not going to hear them on this show. Uh, one, by most accounts, their best album uh, came out in 1990. Uh -huh. So if I'm going to get one, it'd probably the be the personal Jesus on it. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and the other reason is every song I listened to before that, I think sound like shit. <laughs> if I'm being honest with you, <laughs> yeah. I didn't connect with me at That's all. Fair. I don't That's think fair. they're good. Yeah before 1990 oh you know i can give an exception there maybe i'll get it someday but yeah that's that's fair in the time being i'm sorry it though. is it is really interesting because some of the some of the like best known bands during the 1980s were people who either had their best stuff later or mm -hmm. earlier you think about like i was thinking about fleetwood mac for instance because we yeah. just mentioned stevie nicks like obviously their best stuff is the 75 self-titled album and then rumors in mm -hmm. 77 and then tusk i think is 79 but they come out with a couple big mm -hmm. albums in the 80s that are worth listening to. I don't know if we're going to get to them um, in this podcast, per se, because when you think of Fleetwood Mac, you don't think of Tango right. in the Night, even though everyone is one of my favorite songs. You think of the, the 70s stuff and kind of the same thing with the Dash mm -hmm. Mode. And I think R.E.M. as well. Like, they had a lot of really good stuff from the 80s. Like, they were well-established right. by the time Automatic for the People rolls around, but... Uh, or uh, uh, Green, right? It's the album mm -hmm. before, which also is a 90s album. But uh, So you think of them as a 90s band first. But yeah, Monster, they, I think, was also the 90s. Monster was the 90s, too. That was after Automatic. But uh, they had just a great... Like, if they, mm -hmm. if they broke up in 1989, they would have been yeah. highly influential, very well-known, and we probably would have been listening to them. But We will hear we, we will hear some R.E.M. Okay. later. Uh, but... Uh, but yeah, and I, he's got a whole list. I have no idea until the week what it's gonna be. Oh yeah, I like to yeah. keep him on his toes. <laughs> but uh, so the final one we'll listen to for New Wave uh, is New Order, their uh, second album, Power, Corruption, and Lies. Mm -hmm. New Order, of course, uh, kind of formed from uh, Joy Division after their singer Ian Curtis committed suicide. Mm -hmm. uh, the three remaining members, uh, who are uh, Bernard Sumner, Peter Hook, and Stephen Morris would collaborate with uh, Jillian Gilbert, who was the girlfriend of Stephen Morris at the time. They're now married. Uh, and they would kind of, with their first album, Movement, before this one, was kind of a transitional sound, right? It was kind of still Joy Division-esque, which uh, Joy Division firmly in the post-punk camp. We'll hear yeah. them next week. Uh, the New Order then, with Power, Corruption, Lies, kind of tweaked that and turned it into that new wave sound. I do appreciate the, the, the fun little side fact about New Order, which is when Joy Division came out, mm -hmm. uh, people saw the, the name of the band and, and questioned whether it was, uh, whether it was fascist. Right. Uh, and they were like, no, 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 we're, we're not fascist. And then Ian Curtis dies and they reform as New Order. And now everyone's like, no, but for serious, <laughs> but for real, come we're, on. Look, we're just, we just like the no, names. We just we're like just these catching. names. Yeah. Like, oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, 
But then, uh, so this one came out uh, in 1983, in May of 1983, and kind of, it's more electronic, it's mm-hmm. a little more danceable almost, uh, and I think it's really good. This is probably my second favorite from this week. Yeah. I think this one might be my favorite from this week yeah. overall. Uh, there's a number of, of contenders here, but I think New Order mm-hmm. just sort of start to finish. In the same way that like Eric B. and Rakim may not necessarily have my favorite tracks on it from right. New School, but I think start to finish put together, uh, it's my favorite album. And I think I would say this about New Order as well. But yeah. well, Let's listen to the first song on here. This is Age of Consent. fun fact i liked about this album is that when it came out they had to put stickers on it that says did that said do not does not contain blue monday uh, yeah <laughs> because really... right at the point when this album came out they just randomly released blue monday as an mm-hmm. unconnected to the album single and then that single becomes the best-selling single of yeah. all time everyone goes to the record store to, to buy this album and then they get home and I'm like wait a minute <laughs> i got gypped yeah it's funny. I when I was looking at it, it didn't look like any songs from this album proper were released as singles. They released yeah. Blue Monday before this yeah. and a couple others, which are uh, fortunately on this uh, collector's edition. The, uh, the second yeah. disc has Blue, Blue Monday, Monday on it, right? And uh, an instrumental version of that. A couple yeah, other you do have singles. The the thing, and I think we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. of listening to all of these '80s albums well into the 21st century is what we've got here for the most part with Duran Duran being the exception that we point out as being an exception. <laughs> right. All of the other albums are not the original albums that people would have heard mm-hmm. in 1983 or 1980. These have bonus tracks on them. There's no, there's no side flip. Like there's right. no, uh, there's no stop the record, turn it over, start it up again, which does change the experience. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the CD Sometimes the CD gives you moments that didn't exist before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's a it's 
good and it can be good and bad, right? Yeah, They're both yeah. different uh, different experiences. Yeah. Uh, pers- as someone who grew up with CDs, obviously I want right. the experience of press play and then to and then just don't move for forty five minutes at yeah, least. Exactly. But uh, I do like you know. And another thing about Best Buy, even though they don't sell a lot of CDs in stores anymore, mm-hmm. here's a tip for everybody: <laughs> if you buy stuff on BestBuy.com. Uh-huh. They do still have all these CDs that they had in stores at some point. Yes. So this one, like this one, I got the Power Corruption Lies Deluxe Edition. It's like 15 bucks on Best Buy because they didn't sell any when they had it in stores because nobody bought CDs in Best Buy anymore. So, but This portion of the program brought to you by Best Buy. <laughs> Visit bestbuy.com for every single CD you can possibly imagine. <laughs> Speaking of the Geek Squad, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, I think... Uh, uh, in fact, uh, the Pretenders I might have put in that same order. I think that collector's edition was also fifteen bucks. Was it a new order? <laughs> yeah, a brand new order. I'll of show new myself order CDs. out. <laughs> this was this is a new order is is known for being sort of more up tempo than Joy Division, which is something mm-hmm. that I'm going to learn when we do post punk because like this this podcast is called Andy Here's the Eighties, but it's Aaron Here's the Eighties too. Like I've, most of this stuff, I I don't know other than like very much like you. I've heard the singles, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. So with Joy Division. I think literally the only, in this case, actually literally, not just figuratively, uh, the only Joy Division song I think I know is Love Will Tear Us Apart, mm-hmm. which, while being a sad song, is also up-tempo. Right. So when I get Joy Division next week, uh, it's going to be an interesting yeah. experience. And that, too, in the same uh, fashion as Blue Monday, mm-hmm. just released as a single, yep. not on the albums. Oh, not on the albums? Yeah, believe is it, it Is it a bonus track? I want to hear that song. Uh, you know, I think I have it on <laughs> I, iTunes, I like maybe. that song. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I know it's funny. That, That's uh, my favorite Joy Division song. It's one of one. <laughs> well, you can get it on a seven-inch uh, vinyl, and then yeah. that's it. Okay. But from uh, BestBuy.com. From, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That one might be expensive, though. It's probably reissued. Yeah, it could be. But yeah, I like. You know what's really funny too? That just goes to show, kind of like. What was the I don't thing know. with this band? They didn't put any of their singles on their albums yeah i know i don't know singles were a different time back they then need i mean PR people <laughs> yeah i guess the beatles did that with hey jude right that's not on an album uh, isn't it no i thought like it was everyone on, went to went it out to, it's it's on like the blue album or the red album the collection of oh. hits but like if you think of the white album or abbey road or sergeant pepper it's not on any hmm. of those well and they i mean they yeah. just kind of did whatever they, did they wanted after thing. a certain yeah, point but, matter for them. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh I mean, although similar to the Beatles, they did, New Order with this one didn't put their name anywhere on the cover. Mm-hmm. You had to actually, there was a decoder ring that you actually had to decipher the little colored blobs on the side <laughs> to see who it was. Uh, they probably did eventually this put it. This is the most hipster of all albums. <laughs> like, our name is not on the album. Yeah. Our hit single is not on the album. This is for people who don't have any idea what yeah. they're buying. Even, the, even in Blue Monday, the lyrics, like, they kind of say they're like, it's just in their way of saying, is this what you want? Is yeah, this the kind yeah. of song you want us yep. to play? And then they don't put it on the album. <laughs> Thanks, but, New Order. <laughs> but uh, what's funny is the the song Age of Consent, the one we've heard, just heard, when I was listening to this in my car uh, in preparation for this, I went uh, again to a grocery store. This time it was the H Mart uh, down the road from me. And I walk in and they're playing Age of Consent oh, on really? the thing. I'm like... Oh, that's great. What are the odds that yeah. whatever I'm going to be listening to, they're playing in the H Mart? But uh, I guess, and then I told so my wife, about the like, music well, yeah, selection of, of the H Mart. Yeah. yeah, I know. Maybe it sounds like a good music to shop uh, mm-hmm. by groceries music for. Music to shop by? Yeah, music to shop by. New Wave. Power Corruption and Lies. There. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this but, hasn't expired. It's on sale. <laughs> 
Oh, the other thing I thought that's pretty interesting in the liner notes for this, uh, one of the influences they mentioned uh, when making this was Africa Bambata. Oh, nice. So, yeah. yeah. That same kind of 808's drum machine sound, right, they right. would then repurpose for their own uh, cool. use. Yeah. That's New Wave. Yeah, I know. Nice. It's funny how uh, yeah. it all kind of comes full circle. Well, that's because literally everything is New Wave. I keep saying <laughs> literally true. today. Why is that? <laughs> it's literally the only word that. you've been describing. Pretty much, yeah. But, so, yeah, it's this, this week... We heard New Order, we heard Duran Duran, we heard The Talking Heads, we heard Devo, we heard The Pretenders. You know what, Aaron? We heard the 80s. We heard the 80s. I'll see you next week. All right, see you next week. Thanks for listening to Andy Here's the 80s. One quick correction before we go. The lead guitarist for The Pretenders was James Honeyman Scott, not James Honeyman Smith. My apologies for the error. You can also unfortunately no longer buy CDs at BestBuy.com. You can still find CDs at Barnes & Noble, at least as of the time of this episode's release. But better yet, do yourself a favor and look up a local music store near you and buy your CDs there. Around half the CDs I got for this show came from independent record stores, and I definitely encourage you to try and support your local small businesses whenever possible. Let me know what some of your favorite 80s new wave albums are by sending me an email at andyheresthe80s at gmail.com. That's 80s spelled out E-I-G-H-T-I-E-S at gmail.com. Or follow me on Twitter at andyheresit. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.